You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Awesome, awesome. We're going to get straight into the word. Last week we had a powerful, powerful word, isn't it? I'm sure some of you have tweeted and said preparation time is not. Oh, they forgot already. Okay, let's practice. Preparation time is not. Oh, you don't believe it. Preparation time is not. Sure. No, let's see. Maybe they'll believe it later. But truly, that word was so powerful. You know, it was truly a life-changing word. It was one of those words that make you change how you view the season you are in. It's a season of preparation. It's not wasted. You know, sometimes you can feel like, wow, 2020 and you're even tweeting hashtag waste, you know, hashtag we can't wait, hashtag this, hashtag that. But you could be speaking over the preparation time of the Lord. Like, do you want to say hashtag wasted time over the preparation time of the Lord? So you got to be careful because preparation time is not wasted time. Amen. So as I was thinking about this word, um, you know, uh, and when, when Pastor Eric asked if, you know, if I could uh, speak today, I was thinking about this word um, and it really struck me that when it comes to preparation time, there are essentially two kinds of preparations that take place. There is the preparation time that is done by God and led by God. So this is God preparing you. But there's a preparation time that is inspired by God but done by you. Those two times are different. Very, very different. The challenge is that it's easy to miss the preparation time done by God and led by God. It's easy to assume that we are in a season of wasted time when it's a preparation time done by God and led by God. It's very easy. It's that season where you say, Lord, did I miss you? Lord, why is it going? Everyone is going ahead, but I'm still stuck. Lord, when will my time be? Father, what did I do? I'm auditing myself. I don't see any wrongdoings in me, and yet here I am. Be careful about what you say in that season, because that very season could be the preparation time done by God and led by God. Think about Moses. Remember Moses? Moses was a prince, right? I mean, Moses had a grandfather who was pretty much worshipped. That, that's how high in the value chain of things Moses actually was. And he just got this inspiration in his heart after he had visited you know, his fellow Israelites. And he saw, no, man, my people are not living right. And it captured his heart. How can it be that my people are not living right and I'm living in palaces? How can it be? And he said, let me actually try and do it myself. Let me try and rescue the people. And he went and killed an Egyptian, isn't it? He killed an Egyptian and he went back to live his life and he thought, okay, killing the Egyptian will show these people, I don't know, that we are together, Sisonke, right? Um, but then the very same people he was killing the Egyptian for turned around and said, you want to kill us like you did the Egyptian? Yeah. And then he realized, oh no, Pharaoh knows. You know, Pharaoh knows and Pharaoh found out, you know, they wanted to kill him. He had to run out. His secret was out. And he ran away, right? 40 years. He became, he went from one of the wealthiest people. When you talk about Forbes magazine, they had nothing on the Pharaoh family, okay? These guys owned everything. These guys had every bit of money you can think about. And Moses was one of the princes. He went from there to a life of an absolute pauper. Think about that. What was going on in his mind? 
Did I miss God? Right? Maybe I should have prayed more before I did anything. Maybe I shouldn't have said yes immediately. I should have waited a bit more. Maybe it wasn't yet the season. Maybe I acted too harshly. Maybe I should have spoken to the pastors before I did anything. But do you know that when we read the story, now that we are wiser about it and it's been documented for us, we realize that the Lord was ushering him into preparation time. But it was preparation time to be led by the Lord and done by the Lord. You see, the Lord was preparing a servant for himself. But it would have been easy for Moses to miss it. And in fact, it's fair to assume in that season, he thought he missed it. It's really fair to assume. He thought he missed it. He, he, he probably had a lot of self-condemnation words, right? He, he probably said, wow, what a wasted 40 years. He, he probably remembered, you know, the, the, there, there are stakes and there are stakes when the food chain, right? You can go and eat at uh, wherever, you know? But there are other places. When you eat, you don't eat fast. You know? When you, you have to think, you know, you, like, hey, you know? There are stakes and there are stakes. So think about Moses. Everything about him was at that highest level. The food he ate, the company he kept, literally everything about him. And now he was hanging out with sheep. Did I miss it? Did I do something wrong, Lord? Shouldn't I have? Should I have? Maybe I didn't usher enough that year, right? Maybe, you know, I didn't, I didn't serve enough. Maybe I didn't give enough. I remember that third month, I, the tithe was not 10%. It was 9.2. I, I wanted to buy a textbook. I wanted to buy whatever, right? I wanted to buy an earring. I wanted to buy... And you start this moralist journey of trying to figure out, what did I do? It's my fault. I must have, I must have, I must have. But that is a season of preparation time. Don't miss the preparation time. I want us to take... A practical example uh, by looking at the life of Hannah. But before we do that, I just want you to notice that in this preparation time of Moses, even though he didn't know, which is perhaps even a reason why he became an efficient shepherd of the people of God, is that he mastered the art of being a shepherd. You see, some of us in preparation time will become idle because our things are not working the way we want. So the response is just to stop. I'm sorry, I won't be serving for the next year. I'm dealing with some stuff. My things are delayed, isn't it? I won't be serving for the next year. My wife said, argued with me, isn't it? But it's preparation time and you're responding wrongly. In the season of preparation time, idleness is never an option. Be busy with whatever the Lord puts in your hand to do. Make sure that you know how to use that rod and stuff like nobody else. Okay, then when the Lord comes, he's going to point to that rod and stuff. Why? You know how to use it. You've prepared, you've trained, and he's going to use it to part the Red Sea. He's going to use it to bring water from a rock. He's going to use it to deliver his people. But if you've been idle and doing nothing and there's nothing in your hands, your preparation time becomes wasted time. But preparation time is never wasted time. So even if it is wasted time and you sit there and you're idle, you're just allowing the enemy to use that season for something untoward. That's why some people in preparation time will harbor bitterness that you just touch them and all of a sudden they jump. And you're like, what, what, what did I say? What did I do? I just said hi. I knew you never liked me, you know? Because of wasted preparation time. 
So there is something in your hands. The question is, how will you forward and use that gift? How will you use it? Is it just going to be a season of bitterness or is it going to be a season that is truly useful in your life? That is the truth about preparation time. I want us to look at another uh, example quickly of preparation time. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. I'm going to read in the, in the NLT. Let's look at Hannah. It says, so the context here is that Hannah was one of two wives. The other wife was, you know, like, uh, you just look at her, she falls pregnant as a baby, you know. Uh, and Hannah, nothing happened, you know. It, nothing happened, she was barren, there was nothing. She went and checked, nothing, you know, it, it just happened. So you can imagine uh, the level of disappointment that she's in, how difficult that season actually is for her, because she's desiring something so worthwhile, right? Desiring something actually noble. Uh, so let's pick it up from verse 9. It says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire life. And as a sign that will be dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she, was, she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, <clears throat> sorry, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. And soon after this prayer, she actually had a child. And his name was Samuel. And we all know who Samuel is, right? This is one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. This is somebody that the Lord trusted to actually anoint kings. Think about that. So she was actually crying and bitter and really in deep depression and sadness for not having this longing actually fulfilled. She kept crying to the Lord. She kept going to the Lord. She actually kept doing the things that caused the baby to be, right? But nothing actually happened. No matter what she did, it never happened. If there were mandrakes, she took them. If there were gynecologists, she saw them. Whatever it is, she did all those things, but that need was never actually fulfilled. This wasn't just a want. This wasn't just a nice thing to have. It was a core important need in her. Her soul would not keep quiet about it. And whenever she tried to pray about anything else, this topic would come up. Yeah. You don't have a baby. And then Penina, boom, you know, it reminds her again, I, am, I am, must not even be a woman. It was a difficult, difficult season for her. A difficult season. But do you know what? She didn't know that the Lord was preparing her, that that season of delay, that season that felt like denial was actually a season of preparation. The Lord was preparing that from her womb, it wouldn't be an ordinary child. And the Lord knew that if it was a honeymoon baby, she never would have given him away. 
The Lord knew that there's going to be a time in that delay, in that season where she's going to go to him and say, Lord, if only you give me a child, he's yours. But any time before that, if you give me a child, he's mine. Do you see preparation time? So the Lord was using that preparation time to change her mind about the things she's asking for. You see, sometimes you are asking for things and you feel like my need, my thing is not unmet, not realizing that what the Lord is going to bless you with is bigger than you. Some of you, your marriages are bigger than you and they must wait because they are bigger than you. The impact is going to be greater. And then sometimes we're just not patient and we'll start to call that season and label it with our hashtags and become bitter and become whatever and become whatever. And then we even stop to have sex. Where is the baby going to come from? So don't stop. There is no reward in idleness in the season of preparation. Even if it's a season of pain as it was for Hannah, there is no reward for idleness. You will think maybe if I just cry harder, the Lord will. No, he is changing you. He is doing something with Moses. Think about this. Moses became the most humble person on earth. If you think about how humble he was, is the fact that he wrote that he is the most humble person on earth. <laughs> like that's a level of humility, you know, that you just, not many people actually have, right? In today's world, we'll be like, what level of pride is this, right? But the level of humility he walked in, he said, I am the most humble person in this room, right? <laughs> Imagine if somebody stood here and said, I'm the most humble person in this room. You'd be like, ha, huh? you know, pastor, what is going on? <laughs> but he said it in scripture. Imagine. But do you think that a prince of Pharaoh, a grandchild of a person who was worshipped, could have been the most humble person on earth? No, the Lord had to break him. The Lord had to break him and reform him into a man he can use. And it took time. It took 40 years that even when the Lord came back, the level of confidence he would have normally had, he probably would have stood before Yahweh like he's just standing before anybody under as a prince. Why? Because he saw a man being worshipped. He knew what that atmosphere felt like. But because he had been broken, he had been dealt with, and he had spent time with a priest who told him there's something greater, there's someone bigger, there's something more. When the Lord came, everything changed. All of a sudden, this prince of, 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 of Pharaoh, who knew, even knew Chivenda if it was there in those days, but this guy was mastered the languages, this guy mastered mathematics, he mastered commerce, he mastered everything. When the Lord came to him, he said, for a prince of Pharaoh, impossible. Why? Because he had been broken. And that breaking was then the Lord creating something new. So don't despise the season you are in. It might feel like a season of pain. It might feel like a season of delay, a season of denial, a season of no, a season of why me, a season of everyone else is progressing but not me, a season of but I pray more than that person and it's still not happening for me, a season of but I disciple this person and look at them now. The Lord is at work. He is preparing you for so much more. It's just that when the Lord leads and does the preparation, it's not always obvious that it's preparation. It's not always obvious that it's preparation. Can I give you a wise word? Yeah. Be slow to rebuke and quick to discern. Because you see, Penina was boom, boom, boom. Hannah, cry, cry, cry. But Hannah was always praying, Lord, you should could have just prayed, Lord, I rebuke. You know, this delay. 
I rebuke everything. I cast all devils in that. You know, you, you've seen some of those Nigerian videos where they pray and say, you know, devil in the cloud, in the trees, I rebuke you. You know, that, that's the kind of level she was actually, I break your leg. I say broken. You know? <laughs> you know, you know those prayers, right? That's the kind of level she could have prayed, but she would have been rebuking a season of the Lord. So be slow to rebuke, but quick to discern. So, so pause a bit. Before you give credit to Satan, pause a bit and say, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what are you doing in this season? And, you know, and I believe that's fundamentally what it means to seek first the kingdom. It's really in every instance to say, Lord, what are you doing? Well, what are we doing? What are we up to now? And you know, when you give credit to Satan and you say, Lord, Satan, I, I rebuke you. I, I cast you. And do, Satan will not say, no, it's not me. He will say, yes, it's me. <laughs> right? Because he's a thief. It's free IP. He's a thief. He will steal it and make that story even bigger and connect it to other things and say, you remember when you were a child? I started that as well. And then you have this wonderful story of how Satan has been tormenting you for the last 20 years. Meanwhile, he only spoke to you once. So don't give him that credit. Go to the Lord and descend and say, Jesus, what are you up to? It's rough. It's painful. I've been waiting. I've been trying. I've, I've driven around. You know, sometimes you trust and you go and you drive around seven times. Yeah. Uh, you know, you drive seven times. You know, I actually once I applied for a job many years ago and I was like, Lord, I really wanted this job, you know. And I went and I drove around that building seven times, you know, <laughs> and I still didn't get the job. And then I said, oh, no, Lord, what did I do wrong, Lord? What did I do wrong? And then I'm like, oh, no, they didn't drive seven times. It was a lot more than that. <laughs> it, was, it was six, then that's, that's seven. So it should have been 13. I should have driven 13 times. Oh, Lord, you know, it's my fault. But it had nothing to do with that. It absolutely had nothing to do with that. There might have been something there that the Lord didn't want me exposed to and just said, let's close this door. There's something better. There might have been a blessing I would have missed if that would have not happened. So you've got to discern the season of preparation and make sure and make sure that you don't accredit that season of preparation as a work of Satan because it is a season of God. And don't be idle in that season. If you're trusting for the child, keep having sex. Don't be so depressed that you don't do the things that make the things to happen, right? If you are trusting for the job, don't stop applying because it hasn't happened. Keep doing the things that require the things to happen. This is absolutely required. Sorry for the older folks. It's really a a social media thing, you know, there was a meme about the things that make the things to happen. But yeah, uh, it, it's, but it's so important, saints. It is so important. The Lord has not forgotten you. The Lord has not forgotten you. How can he forget you when he came down himself and died for you? Is it possible that he can come and purchase you with his very own blood and forget you at the store? He's coming back. His delay is because there's something that needs to be added. So don't despise it. And don't behave inconsistent with the desire in that season. Don't say I'm so overwhelmed by the delay that I become inconsistent in my behavior with the desire. I want this, but I'm going to stop praying for it. It's too painful. No, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Do you know how these things happen? Is that they happen gradually and then all of a sudden. Do you know the person who keeps praying? All of a sudden, they are answered. The person who keeps knocking? All of a sudden, the door is opened. The person who keeps seeking? All of a sudden, they have found. That's why when they tell you the story later, it sounds like they prayed once. 
It sounds like they just went into the closet and said, Jesus, and they come out, it was done. That's how it sounds. But what they don't tell you is that there was a long season that preceded it where they kept praying, they kept praying and kept praying. And in some seasons, they actually, they actually felt weak. They actually felt weak, and it was no longer a season of just praying. It was a season of crying. It was a season of, Lord, if you just see my tears, maybe. And then they realized, oh, no, he comes according to our hunger. And then they started changing the stance. And they start praying and praying and praying and praying. And then all of a sudden, everything happens gradually and all of a sudden. And in the season where you are in that season of preparation, it's gradual. It's gradual. It's slow. And some days are longer than others, right? I mean, you know, if you are actually looking for a job, for example, when you, like, every email that comes in can even make you anxious. Right? You know? You can be in the middle of a deep, deep prayer. I just say, tick, tick. You know? <laughs> you know? But don't be like that. The Lord has heard you. The Lord is doing a work. The Lord is preparing you for something greater. Right? Maybe Moses would have said, I should have just used the political system. Do you know that the political system would not have resulted in a nation called Israel formed? It would have been Egypt part B. Do you see that? Because that's the political system. You know, and that's an important thing to realize is that what God is going to do after this preparation is bigger than what you actually imagine. Yeah. Don't you believe it? Bigger than what you thought, more than what you imagined, what you even prayed. Isn't that true? That that's how much the Lord is actually going to move? So, and in other fashions, this season doesn't always feel bleak. Do you know that you can become very rich? I mean, rich, 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 right? A rich, like rich, just so the Lord can wake you up to something significant. The Lord can just give you money as a season of preparation. Do you know that although the Lord has already spoken to Abraham in Genesis 12, it took three chapters and many things. In order for him to say, I'm, I'm too rich now. Who will I leave all these things to? Like, isn't that interesting? I'm, I'm so rich now. Now I have legacy issues. And the Lord was doing a legacy work in his life. So don't assume that having money means you've arrived. It's just a season of preparation. There is so much more that the Lord wants to do in your life. But sometimes you can miss it because you just think, okay, if I, if I just had money, then, you know, but it's a season of preparation. It's all about preparation because there's something bigger than a bigger house that the Lord wants to do in your house, in your life. There's really something bigger than a better car that the Lord wants to do in your life. There's something bigger. You know, some of us will become so angry, you know, and the Lord will make us so rich that we'll reach a point of anger. We just say, Pastor, I've bought a building. Here you go. You just become that angry, right? <laughs> like, that, that, but if you see these things too small, you're going to miss what the Lord is actually doing. You just, okay, I have more money, I have LV. It's too small. It's too small. You're going to leave it here. Okay, you're going to leave it here. We don't want to be the rich fool, isn't it? We don't want to be the rich fool. So allow every season that the Lord takes you through to say, Lord, what are we doing? What are you up to? Descend the season of preparation and know what it is that it's actually up to. That's so important, saints. Preparation time is not wasted time.
It is one of the most significant seasons in our lives, but when the Lord leads it, it's easy to miss. And that's why it's important to discern. Let's be a people who linger in the Lord, who actually don't just run off, but we linger, right? If we wrote a book in the Bible, maybe it should be Luke, you know, not Mark, because Mark, it's immediately, 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 right? Maybe let's pause a bit and say, Lord, what are you up to? What are you actually up to? Because the gradual things all of a sudden become the immediate things, okay? Let me take another example, and this is the last one that I'll take. I think I've spoken a bit about the side where the Lord is leading the preparation and he's doing it. And you can see how important it is to discern his hand during that particular season, you know, so that you can know what it is that is up to and what it is that is leading you to. And, and the other interesting thing, you know, that I notice when I look at all these examples of the people that were prepared by the Lord, for the Lord, it was him that was doing everything, is that it's unlikely that they knew what he was actually taking them to. So it was really about a season of faithfulness in whatever you find yourself to actually do. That's so important. Because they, they didn't know to say, I'm going to birth a guy who anoint kings. They just knew I wanted a child. But the Lord connected with, I'll give you the child, and was able to actually fulfill that. So you don't have to know the whole story. You don't have to. You just need to discern the season that you are in without even knowing you know, the whole story and behave consistent with that particular season. Now, let's look at an example. Let's look at David, 1 Samuel 17. Now, this is in the context where it's a season perhaps inspired by the Lord, but we are doing the actual work, as opposed to the previous season where the Lord is actually leading it and he's doing it. So he's preparing for himself, you know, a person for a particular purpose. Let's pick up this story from uh, verse 32. This is now, you know, uh, Goliath uh, versus uh, the Israelite nation. And you know, Goliath had been tormenting these guys for 40 days and 40 nights. It seems like there was no end uh, to, 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 to him. And, and you know, when somebody's tormenting you for that long, that even when the, the enemy torments you and you just keep quiet, you don't actually respond and rebuke and condemn that negative voice, you know that it becomes bigger? It starts to feel like Goliath, who, who probably maybe is just this tall. Maybe he's, he's uh, you know, he, he is Elder Roland plus two, you know. Maybe he's somewhere there. All of a sudden, he becomes Elder Roland plus three, plus four. You know, he grows with time, right? In day one, you see him as he is. By day 40, you know, he's a, a giant who swallowed people and he eats people, you know. And like the story actually improves uh, with time. It becomes scarier and scarier. And David came into the situation at the peak where the fear was elevated to the maximum. I mean, Goliath was bigger than ever. The descriptions you would hear about him, this experienced soldiers, what they would say about him, it was so scary and terrifying that anybody would have been justified in saying, okay, let's just give in. We tried, you know. I'm sure the, we will win the next one, you know. Let, let's go for the next one. But look at what happens with David. First Samuel 17, he's talking with Saul. He says, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I will go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. That, that's how much the story had improved, right? It improved so much that he's been a man since he was a child. You know, that's how, how great <laughs> he actually was. Uh, do, do you get what I mean? It improves. Uh, you know, he skips certain stages. He's been a man since he was a boy, you know? Uh, that's how scary he's becoming. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. 
When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal tends on me, I catch it by the jaw and, cl and club it to death. Other version says it catches it by the beard. You know, when I hear that version, it sounds like, you know, like a township story. You know, some they improve a bit, got caught it by the beard. You're just like, wow, that's a bit intense. Uh, but yeah, so you would catch it by the beard. It says, I have done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Okay, that's, that's really him saying, I'm prepared. I've been through a season of preparation and therefore I can stand up to this task. He says that there are times, you can see he's describing sort of two scenarios. He's saying, you know, sometimes I go after it. You know, I go after it and then I club it and I take the animal and leave. Sometimes it comes after me. You know, he had mastered ideas of long range military tactic as well as short range. What you actually do in both. He knew that actually, what if I throw a stone? What will happen? And do you know that he probably threw some stones on many lions and they died? But he probably threw many and they didn't die. And he mustered and said, wow, if I just throw with my hand, hmm, the velocity is not strong enough to kill it. If I throw it over, over a, a cliff, it's not actually powerful enough to kill it. It gets up and still attacks me. But hey, if I sling, uh, I actually club it and kill it. That was preparation. So do you see, in this battle, Goliath stood no chance. He actually just didn't know it, but he stood no chance because he was going against somebody who had actually prepared and knew how to throw a stone into the skull of a bear and a lion and kill it with one strike. Like just, I mean, the skull of Goliath had no chance. He had no chance at all. And he knew as well that actually the lions that I've dealt with, they moved way faster than Goliath. So this is somebody who mastered doing this as an animal is going very fast. So he knew to anticipate, he knew to calculate. He knew that actually when it's here, I shoot there and I kill it. That's how calculating he was. Why? Because he went through a season of preparation. So Saul thought he was just talking to a boy. But he didn't know before him too stood a prepared boy, a boy who had done what he's about to do a lot of times. And the other thing that he learned in that season is that some of the, the animals probably came and attacked him, and somehow he survived. And he said, wow, Yahweh is real. Like God is good, you know. God actually protected me from this season. God protected me from this life. He'll protect me from the next one and the next one and the next one. That's why when he comes, he says, who's this uncircumcised pagan? Come on, who's this guy? Why? Because he learned in that season, not only the military tactics, but the attitude that is necessary for conquest. He learned. So when he came out, David was not the same person that went into that training. He was a completely different person. And do you know when you're being attacked by a lion, you're completely justified to run away? Right? Even if that lion is going to steal something that you, you saw to the pastor and say, Pastor, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, they will not take this Bible. <laughs> Do you know that the pastor would understand that if you read away, he'll say, I know it was a lion, it's fine, you know? We'll, we'll buy another Bible, right? Have you seen the size of a lion, what it actually is? 
This is a massive animal that we're talking about. I mean, you see them on National Geographics and some of our small cars, they can really just topple that thing over. They are huge animals. This is not a cat. It's a lion. Do you know that there were probably other shepherds that used to hang around with David whose sheep were taken by lions and by bears and they didn't go after them? So, so they made great shepherds. They knew how to look after them when they are safe, but they didn't know how to go after and rescue, which was something different that they actually did. So in this season of preparation, where you know you are preparing, you are preparing it's led by you, inspired by God, where you know you're, what's the extra thing you're doing? Right? David did the extra thing of, no, this lion is not going to get away. Although all the shepherds came out with a mastery of shepherding, he came out with more. What's the more that you're going to come out with in your season of preparation? Are you going to come out exactly like everyone else? Okay, we all go in and we study commerce, we come out exactly the same? Or are you going to come up with something more? Are you going to come out to be a little bit more than what's actually there? So when you start to take that ownership of your season of preparation, there's so much more that the Lord can release in your life. Because in that season of preparation, the Lord deposits more than what you need. He actually deposits more. He didn't, David did not need five stones, yet he had five. There's just a risk management. He just needed the first one. Moses was equipped with way more signs and wonders than he needed. Jesus, if he did everything that was locked in him, we would probably, I mean, you, I don't know, right? Would need all the days that have happened since then for him just to do it, and he still wouldn't be done. It will still be doing a new thing, and a new thing. It will be like, just, it just keeps coming. So in that season of preparation, when the Lord is pre present, he packs up in you more than what you actually need. That's what he actually does. Do you know that Hannah was crying for one child, and she ended up with six? He packs more than what you need. So there's something significant about the season of preparation and our attitude in it and how we actually behave in it and how we actually take a hold of it and say, it is a season of preparation. I will not despair. I'm not going to tire. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to stop. Why? Because the Lord is readying me for something more. So there are some hashtags we need to delete, right? Well, when you see that, I mean, the 2020 memes have already started and they're coming about how wasted this year actually is. Stop retweeting because you are speaking negatively about your season of preparation. Remember, Israel was in a season of preparation. I think it was, uh, you know, the, the late Miles Monroe who was saying that the plane ride between Egypt and Israel is actually 20 minutes. 20 minutes. 40 years. 20 minutes. <laughs> But they despised what the Lord was doing, and it kept increasing, increasing. Eventually, they despised it to the extent that the Lord said, you are not the people that are actually crossing over. So imagine what can happen when we keep despising the season of preparation. When we keep saying, well, back then it was better, you know? If only I can go back there. If only I can skip. It's like we don't live now. We live in the future and in the past, and here we're just... I don't know, going about, uh, you know, the things. And it's really wrong, guys. Because this preparation <clears throat> is the season that is going to change our lives and make us ready <clears throat> for everything that the Lord is going to do. Um, let's quickly read the rest of it. Um, 
Jesus so finally considered, all right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then David gave him his armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such a thing before. He said, I can't go in this, he protested to Saul. I am not used to them. So David took them off again. Do you see that? So in that season of preparation, you start to know what are the things, like how are you packaged? You start to actually figure yourself out and say, actually, I'm graced here. You know, actually, I here, this is my, my spot. You know, actually, I, I can't add this, right? And, and some of us in our season of preparation is just really also a season where we have to cleanse ourselves of wrong things we've put on. Things that are delaying and making it enable, making it impossible for us to actually enter the next season, for us to actually conquer. Sometimes we're not conquering just because we have too much stuff on. We're wearing Saul's armor. We've never used it. We don't know how it works, but everyone says that's how it must be done. So he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. You know, you don't just go to the water and pick up stones if you've never done this before, right? Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield uh, bearer ahead of him, sneering contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, uh, Goliath uh, yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Do you see that this fight was complete? It was completely two different things because of the preparation that had actually gone before it. It becomes completely different things. So you can enter a job interview and be a completely different person in it because of the preparation that has gone before. Even though you have been told this is how it works. You go with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, with a shield. But you can go with completely different things. You know, you can start businesses that have never been started because of this season of preparation that you are in. But if we keep looking, everyone does it this way. It must be that way. And, th and th we're going to miss what the Lord is preparing us for. Some of us, the Lord has anointed us for great and mighty businesses that have not been seen before. Ways of doing things that we, we don't know about as yet. And we're going to have to do them, but we'll be limited by continually saying, it has to be this way. It, it has to be that way. Take the preparation time seriously. It's a season of transformation. And of course, the rest of the story, you know, David won, won the fight. And the fight he won as a consequence of the preparation time that he actually went, uh, went into. Okay. So the key thing about this preparation phase is that it's about now and it's about then, right? It's about this phase and the next phase. But in this phase, it requires continual faithfulness. Do you know faithfulness is one of the few sure guaranteed ways for, towards promotion, right? If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful over much, right? You, you'll be given responsibility over much. But if you're struggling with the two that you have, how can somebody give you 10? So faithfulness is key in the season of preparation and making sure that you're not idle, but actually busy and busy with the right things. Eh? 
I guess you can be busy with the wrong things. So busy with the right things is actually so important, you know. So be busy, be busy, be busy. And when you look at all of them, you know, the <clears throat> when you look at Moses, it, it's really because something got exposed and he started running away and so forth. But that was just a, a hint that the season has changed. So when you start discerning, there are things that will happen that look negative, but this, they're just hints that the season has actually changed. When you look at Hannah, when you track her last prayers, when she spoke with Eli, she hadn't realized that she has achieved breakthrough. She said, I'm discouraged, I'm sorrowful, I'm going through this. By the end of the conversation, she was no longer sad because she had entered breakthrough. It just hadn't happened. There are these hints. There are these hints that happen. Sometimes you, you engage with a person who is spiritual and they hint you that you've entered a new thing. And it's about you taking that on and believing it and saying, I'm into the new thing. I am in the new season. I might not see it yet, but I'm in it. I am in it and I'm going to take it seriously and not be delayed again by looking back and by comparing and comparing. You're going to stay there forever. But the next phase is really reliant on your success in this phase. You have to pass the test now. We have to. We pass the test now and the Lord promotes us. We pass the test and the Lord promotes and the Lord promotes. What we will be is really a mystery to most of us. We'll be shocked when it all comes together and you say, wow, is this really me? You know, is, is this true? And it is you, but it's because you took the preparation time uh, seriously. And as I said already, you know, the, the big things in your life are going to happen gradually and immediately. Gradual, immediately. And in the preparation time is the season of gradual things. Some days are going to be longer than others. Some days are going to be painful. Some days you're going to cry. Some days you're going to be happy. Some days you're going to feel like, ah, it's going to happen tomorrow. And tomorrow comes, you're still in that season. And other days you're going to feel very discouraged. You're not going to have strength and all of that. But keep going to the Lord. Like keep being refilled by the Lord. Like keep filling up on him and filling up on him and filling up on him and filling up on him. And stand strong on the fact that the Lord doesn't start things for fun. No, he starts to finish. There's something significant that he has earmarked. There are good works. You know, there are good works that he has prepared for us and we must enter them. Like they are there, just waiting. And we are the ones that must actually enter into them. So I'm going to close, friends, in this particular topic. You know, I've mentioned the preparation time that is led by the Lord and done by the Lord. That is the most crucial preparation time because it's easy to miss. And it's going to require that we become masters of discernment as opposed to quick rebukers, right? Be slow to rebuke, quick to discern. So it's going to be so important. And then there are seasons where the preparation is inspired by the Lord, whether it's tacit, whether it's active, whether you know it or not. You know, the Lord inspires and you start doing certain things. And in that season, your faithfulness is absolutely key. The gradual things that you keep doing are building up. It's the knocking and the knocking and the knocking and the knocking and the knocking. And then all of a sudden the door is opened. And do you know, you'll come tell us the testimony like I knocked once and the door opened. Okay? But that's the season that you're coming into. The journey often feels painful. But once you get there, you even forget how painful it was. Do you know that if you spoke to Hannah now... She'll tell, yeah, I mean, I trusted the Lord for the baby and, you know, the Lord did it, right? <laughs> she won't tell you that years and years, you know, I kept worshiping. I did everything. She, she would have forgotten because when that season comes, 
that when that season comes, it's going to occupy your heart, your mind so much that the previous season becomes so much lesser in you. Because that season has deposited what is needed in you. So the, the, the clear, detailed memory of it, and then I turned left and then right, and then I spoke to this one for 10 minutes, it's not important. The clear things that are needed have been deposited in you already, and you carry them into the next season. Amen? So in closing, I just want to talk about a last area which is important. You see, in all these preparations that we are talking about, there is also a prepared people. The Lord has prepared people that no one can reach except you. I can go there and preach the gospel eloquently and use big words and all of this and all of that. Nothing happens. But you go there and say, Jesus loves you. And they weep like a baby. They weep like a baby and jump into the kingdom of God like nobody's business. Because there are people that you have been ordained to reach. There are people that are prepared specifically for you. No one else. It's you. The Lord, of course, will send other people if you don't want to do it, right? Renard Bonke says he wasn't the first choice. But these people are prepared for you. So there are salvations. There are names on your tongue. And you must speak the salvations over them. And it doesn't matter how much you know or how little you know. What you know is enough. Sometimes you just got to go carrying. All you know is that we pray. And just say, you know what, I just feel like we pray. That's your gospel message, we pray. Do you want to pray, friend? That's the gospel for you. That's, the, that's it. You know, in my, in my younger days, I, I used to, to, to preach whatever I heard that Sunday. And sometimes I, I would be in a taxi full of people. I said, yo, this thing is burning in my heart, guys. I have to tell it to you. This is what they said on Sunday and this and this and this and this. Whether I understood or not, it didn't matter. What was important was that the word of God must come out. Sometimes we limit ourselves by assuming that there's a certain level of preparedness we must reach before being used. But it's not true. The Lord will use you in the season of preparation. The Lord will use you with the 10 cents that you know. Do you know the Lord can honor somebody who is actually just giving 10 cents and say, wow, that person has given more than anybody else. So don't despise what the Lord has deposited in you already and how useful that's going to be. Out of all the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy, he said, out of everything that you need to do, you must do the work of an evangelist. You must preach the gospel. Because he knew that there are certain truths about the kingdom, there are certain things about our lives that we won't fully live out and enter into without that aspect. I emphasize it specifically because I know you guys pray, you know. I know you pray. I know that you are people of faith. But we must become excellent in this area as well. We must become a people that are faithful in this as well. That in that season where the Lord is putting you in this tough spot, there are people that the Lord is going to send to you that perhaps are in the exact same tough spot, and they're going to ask you and say, but you broke like me. Why are you so happy? Where does this joy come from? And that's where you can give them a response and say, well, I'm born again into a living hope. And every day he injects joy. He injects hope into me. So my source is not me. My source is actually him. He's going to bring people along you who are also looking for jobs like you. It's not the time to say, even me, you know, even me. It's not the time. It's the time for you to use that time wisely to bring a soul into the kingdom. Because this person is coming because they've been prepared. 
You know, the Lord said, look, you guys said there's four more months, but I'm telling you, the harvest is white and ready. And I'm telling you that your neighbor is white and ready. They are ready. They are very ready. Your family is white and ready. The thing that is required is for you to just take it there. Take the word to them. Whatever you know, take it to them. In Philemon 1.6, it says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Isn't that interesting? So there is a full knowledge of every good thing that is, that is in us for the sake of Christ that we'll be able to enter into by sharing the faith. So there are things you won't know until you share the faith. There are levels you won't enter until you share the faith. There isn't a single person that has done anything significant for the kingdom of God that has not mastered this one area. They have always been sharers of their faith. Even though they might have said, this is the man of prayer, he shared the faith. Even though they said, this is a man of faith, he shared the faith. This is a man of prosperity, he shared the faith. It doesn't matter what other label they gave them, they shared the gospel. You don't need a platform, you don't need any of that. You just need the people around you. Those are the people that the Lord has prepared for you. So it's not just that the Lord is preparing you. It's not just that, you know, that there is a, you know, a preparation of you for this big thing that's going to come and so forth and so forth. It's that the Lord is preparing others for you. And he says, go ye into all the world and actually preach this, into all nations, isn't it? He actually says, uh, Paul, you know, the writer of Hebrews, he says, some of you should actually be teachers by now. You should be, but we have to lay down foundations again. Why? Because there are things you have not done in the preparation phase. So in this preparation phase, neglect nothing. The gospel is in your hands. Use it. Okay? Prayer is in your hands. Use it. Uh, whatever resources in your hands, use it. Faith, it's in your hand. Use it. Come out as a master of something. Don't come out as an expert. You know, some people come out of their seasons knowing how to cry, you know? It's true. They write books about it. But can you know something more? So that is so important. You know, we often just call one prayer the Lord's Prayer. But in Matthew 9, 38, that's also the Lord's Prayer. That's also the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray, you know, the Lord of the harvest, that he might send laborers. We are in a season where many laborers are being discouraged. They're being discouraged by many things that are going on. They turn on the TV, so-and-so has done this, so-and-so has done that, and they feel discouraged. They say, turn on the, they go to WhatsApp and they send a video, so-and-so has done this and that. You know the videos that go around, right? And there's a discouragement that you feel like, can I even... But you know that the darker it gets, the less light you need to actually illuminate the whole room. That's how, how it is. So don't despair. The laborers are few and you are that laborer. And you have people that are prepared specifically for you. So let's actually stand up and pray over these three areas. I want us to start with the last area. Specifically to pray and ask the Lord and say, Lord, you have put this message of salvation in my hands. You have called me to be a child of yours. You have taken me from darkness into light. Help me to actually do it too. Help me to spread that message. Help me to actually use that. Okay. And, and then in the other two areas, 
I want us to pray for faithfulness. You know, faithfulness is not just some um, abstract thing. Faithfulness has an auditable reality. So a person who's been faithful, you can audit them and find evidence of faithfulness. It's not a hard condition where you say, my heart is faithful. No, there are fruits that come out of faithfulness. An unfaithful person can hold on to a thing and bury it underground and say that's faithfulness. It's just keeping it and hiding it. But that's not it. Faithfulness is an auditable activity that we must ascend to and actually do. And the first area I want us to also pray over is whatever season you find yourself in. You know, ask the Lord for discernment. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to say, Lord, what are you doing? What are we up to in this season? You know, I'm tired of crying over it. I've done the whole thing. I've driven seven times. I've done that and I've done that. I have proclaimed it. I've said it. I've done it all. But I'm still where I am. Just pause and say, Lord, what are we up to? What are we up to? So I want us to pray like that and trust the Lord. Amen. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to be laborers. We thank you to be called the people that can be used by you, a people that you can send out into a city and transform it, a people that can reach somebody, oh God. So I pray in the name of Jesus and say, Father, where we've been lax, where we've not taken opportunities that you have given us, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you for strength. We ask you, Lord, to help us, O oh God, to reach out and to do what it is that you have called us to do. Help us, O oh Father, to take this gospel that you have put into our hands, O oh God, to our neighbors, to our families, O oh God. You call us light, O oh Father, and we say we will shine. We will not be hidden, but we will shine, and we'll see people come to the knowledge of you in the mighty name of Jesus, O oh God. We pray, O oh Father, that this is a thing in our hand that we will not neglect, O oh God, but it is a thing that we will use. It is a thing that we will do because we know that there are a people that you have prepared, a people that you have readied, a people that you have ordained specifically for this message, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. We pray, oh Father, Lord, that even as we find ourselves in the season of preparation, oh Father, that faithfulness would not be foreign to us, oh God, but we will be faithful in everything we find our hands to do, oh God, that we will do it with all our might, oh God, we will do it to the honor of the King of Kings, oh God, who will do it to your glory, who will do it as unto you in the mighty name of Jesus, my Father. We pray, oh Father, and say, Lord, help us to be faithful. You are a faithful God. It's who you are. We want to be like you in this area in the mighty name of Jesus, my Father. So we say, Lord, mm, where we've not been faithful, oh God, we ask you to forgive us, oh God. What we have spoken negatively about the season, we ask you to forgive us, oh God. And we say, Lord, we're going to be faithful. We're going to hold on. We're going to trust you. We're going to do everything that you put in our hands to do and we're going to do it well because we do it for you in the mighty name of Jesus whether there are eyes on us or not oh father you king of kings see us you see us oh Jesus so we're going to do it excellently for you in the mighty name of Jesus mm. you are so worthy you're so worthy mm. yeah father we just pray mm. we just pray oh father for, for your sons for your daughters who've cried and cried for, for your sons and daughters who have waited and waited, who, who, who have come to you and have even ceased knowing what to say. 
They have done it all, O oh God. Believing you, trusting you for a godly thing, for a good thing. And yet it's delayed. Father, we just pray. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open their eyes, that you are with them in that season. That in their season of need, in their time of want, you are more near than they could imagine. That, Lord, you don't despise a broken spirit. You don't despise a broken heart, but you step nearer. So, Father, we just ask you for that in the mighty name of Jesus and say, open their eyes, open their eyes to how close you are, O oh God. Open their eyes to how much you are working, O oh Father. Just open their eyes. Give them a glimpse. Give them a glimpse of how much worse it would have been if you weren't, you weren't there. But you are there. You are there and you are at work. So we pray, O oh Father, Lord, like the bending bush that Moses encountered, that they would have a burning bush encounter and see that you are at work and see that you are actually moving, that they are not forgotten in the name of Jesus. We rebuke every tongue that speaks forgottenness over them. We rebuke every tongue that speaks condemnation over them. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We rebuke every thought that is contrary to Christ, that is ministering things from hell and not from heaven in their lives. But we proclaim that the will of God will be done over them. It will be done in the name of Jesus, oh God, that it's going to happen suddenly. It's going to happen quickly. It's going to happen in the name of Jesus. And we pray for strength in this gradual process, oh Father. And we thank you for the great testimonies, for the praises, oh Father, that they will come back with when you finally do it in the physical, in the mighty name of Jesus. Arm them with a new attitude, oh God. Arm them with a new mindset, that that very same mindset that was in Christ Jesus, let it be in them, oh Father, that they can shepherd the season well, because you are at work, my Father. You are at work, my Father. You are at work. Father, we ask you that you would forgive us. That you would forgive us for our constant complaints and murmuring over the season that you have brought us in. A season that you are at work in. We ask you that you will forgive us, O oh Father, for even giving credit to the enemy for what you are doing, O oh God. We ask you for forgiveness, O oh God. We say no more. No more. We're going to be a queer people that are quick to discern and slow to rebuke. We're going to look for your hand and not the enemy's hand. We're going to look for your face and not, and not what is the enemy up to. But our first question, Father, always will be, Daddy, what are we up to? Daddy, what are we doing? Daddy, what are you up to? Show me what you're up to. Because we want to be a people that indeed seek first, set the kingdom first, make the kingdom our absolute in the mighty name of Jesus, that, that is our ultimate pursuit, O oh Father. That kingdom is greater than the thing that feels delayed. That kingdom is greater than the thing we've been crying for. That kingdom is greater than the thing, O oh Father. Oh Lord, you are our exceedingly great reward. There is no reward that is better. There is no reward that is mightier. O oh Father. Thank you for giving us strength. And thank you for ushering in, for ushering in freedom, for ushering in freedom in the name of Jesus. Oh, we are free in our season of preparation. It no longer feels like a season of shekels, but it's a season of preparation. We are free. It is for freedom that we've been set free. We are free. 
Thank you, Father, that you will finish what you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And then just lastly, I don't know where you are, whether you are here with us physically or you are watching at home through our various streams. The Lord has prepared you for him. The Lord has prepared you for him. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how horrible you think it is. The Lord has prepared you for him. He's calling you from where you are and say, come closer. So don't stay in your sins. Don't stay in the darkness. Come out and be a child of God. Walk with him. Live with him. Because the king of kings has already named you his own. And it's now, it's now for you to raise up your hand and say, me, Lord. Me, Lord. I can't do life without you anymore. I can't do life without you anymore. I want to do it with you. The Lord has prepared you for himself. So if you are here in this building or wherever you are watching this from, and you really feel the stirring of the Spirit to come into his kingdom, you really feel that stirring of him and that voice of God calling you like an alarm clock to a dead man saying, Awake, the Lord is quickening you into a new life. We want to pray with you and usher you into this new re reality so that you might walk right and live right. So if there's anybody in here, if you lift up your hand, we'll be able to pray for you. At home, you can just lift up your hand as well, just as a prophetic activity that you are doing. And the Lord will honor it and the Lord will actually reach you. I don't see any hands in here, but we're going to pray even for those that are watching. Yeah, Father, we just pray for our brother and sister, oh Father, that says, I don't want to do it alone anymore. I want to do it with you. I want to walk with you. I want to live with you. We just pray for them and say, Lord, honor that desire. Bring them into the kingdom. Make them sons. Make them kings. Make them priests. Make them new, a people of your kingdom, not a, kind a people of the kingdom of the enemy, but a brand new people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So wherever you are, and if you prayed along with us and said, I want to be saved, I want to be connected with you, all you have to do is confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You just need to say, Lord, I don't want to live in my sins anymore. I want to be a child of yours. You know, and the Lord will honor that, and he will actually meet with you. And contact us. Our details will be provided. Contact us, and we'll be able to help you to walk right with the Lord. We don't want you to just stay where you are and continue with your patterns, but we want you to be free in the name of Jesus. There is nothing too horrible that you can do that the Lord would despise you. He loves you in spite of that. He's used murderers. He's used liars. He's used people that you would not expect at all. That's the kind of God that we are talking about. Amen. Amen. And then just lastly, so if you are here and you are worshiping with us for the first time, we just want to pray with you before we close our service. Would you mind just waving at us? Um, and we'll just pray with you and we'll see where you are. So saints, you see where they are. 
So after the service, we just want to know you a little bit better. So if you can come to the front and meet, uh, you know, with our elders, they will be able just to share a little bit more about the church and who we are, uh, and just to know you. It won't take much of your time. So just come and meet them here in the in the front. Uh, maybe you want to just wave a bit uh, so they see you. So so they're here at the front. You can meet them. Saints, you saw where they are. Let, let's quickly pray for them as we put up the benediction. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for our visitors today. Many might believe that it's an accident, uh, coincidence worked out that they are here, but we know that it was divinely orchestrated, that there's something you wanted to deposit in their lives, that there's something you wanted to unlock this day, and you have brought them here today. So we just thank you for them and what you have started in them, oh God. We thank you for the season you are ushering them into and that there's so much more that you're going to release over them. We thank you, Father, that you love them and we know that there is more for them. There is more in store. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Yeah, as we close the service, we're just going to quickly read the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a wonderful week. And remember, preparation time is never wasted time. Amen. Amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.